We're on step four of this series called Ink. Let's go right to our text that we're using every Sunday uh, throughout this message. And it's very, very powerful text. It's found in Ephesians chapter one, verse 13. And it says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. How many remembers that day that you heard about Jesus that very first time? And then he says, when you believed, when you heard the message and then you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. That's where we're getting this topic of ink, that we've been marked with this seal, the promise, Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And we've been talking to you about this series called Ink, being marked by the Holy Spirit at that point of salvation. How many knows that there should be a a visible difference in our lives once we've come to Jesus? People should be around you going, what happened to you? You know, And, and so we're talking about that. And we opened it up, Pastor Brad opened the series up with a message that being marked by the Holy Spirit, being inked, is permanent. How many knows that once you come to Jesus, that's for life, man. You, that needs to be a lifetime journey. And then number two is that I share with you that it's passionate, that, that we're passionate. When someone gets a tattoo, it's usually always telling a story. There's a passionate story behind each marking that's on there. And then Pastor Brad, powerful message last week on painful. Uh, you know, some of us, we run from pain. We don't pay people to do it to us, you know. That's why we have no tattoos, all right? Uh, some people just like it, I guess. But, but it's painful. And how many knows many of our stories in life that mark us are painful stories? And, and today I want to talk to you about powerful, powerful, that the marking of the Holy Spirit in our life at salvation is a very powerful event. Hebrews, the Bible tells us, it says, for the word of God is alive and active. How many glad this book is alive? It's alive and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even into the dividing of our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Once we've had that encounter with Jesus and salvation, we're marked by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes the word of God. The Bible says the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So when the Holy Spirit takes God's word, it begins to divide our soul, our mind, our will, our emotion, and our spirit, which is our God consciousness, our joints and our marrow, which is our being, and it judges the thoughts, the attitudes of our heart. And so I want to talk to you today, get your notes out, as we're on this series called Inked, or being marked by the Holy Spirit, I want to share with you three areas of our life that the Word of God dictates over as we allow that Word to take just prominence in our life that it's the ruling factor. How many knows the Word of God needs to be the deciding voice in mind in your life today? We have so many voices trying to speak to us through media, through politics, through culture, through all of these things in society that we as a body of Christ need to come back and let the word of God be the voice that we're listening to because God's word dictates our now past, our present, and our future. Let's get ready for a ride this morning. Number one, the first area that the word of God dictates is my past. 
my past. You see, God offers more than behavior modification. And if there's one thing I want to talk to you about as pastor this morning is that if you come to Transformation Church and you commit your life to Christ, I want you to know that God wants to do more than make your old life better. He wants to take away the old and give you a brand new. And he tells us in Corinthians, therefore, say therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what, what, go back to our original text, that we've, we've come to the knowledge of Christ, we've made a commitment of salvation of Christ in our life, we've now been marked by the Holy Spirit. If that's happened in you, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Come on, say amen with me this morning. And, and God wants you to know that his word dictates and defines your past. Now, some of us in this room, our past didn't go away if you go to the Scamby County Courthouse. <laughs> well, it was more than I thought. I'm getting a whole lot of amens in here. All right, we are preaching the right people. Yes, we are. Okay. But how many knows other people don't forget your past while you're trying to? And, and some of you have it, even though you're Christians, and I want to help you today. And you go, how do you know that, Facebook? You're telling on yourself. You're saying, I'll let the past go. No, you're not. You're still living in it because you keep talking about it on social media. But God wants you to know today that his word dictates your past, and the old is gone, and the new is here, and you need to learn to start enjoying that journey. You, you need to let that pass go. And can I give you a quick testimony and move on that we just got our census this week that are updated. And this year along in nine months here in Transformation Church on our Sunday morning experiences, we've had 141 people sign on their connect card that I committed my life to Christ this morning. I surrendered my life to him in nine months only. And, and they tell you that 50% of the people that do it won't mark the card. And so there's a potential 282 people that have said yes to Jesus here on Sunday mornings this year alone. Come on, somebody. And, and what is it? We're saying the old is gone and the new is here. And can I give you a praise report over that? that 117 of those 141 that have committed their lives to Christ have gone through our growth track and now they know who they are in Christ and they're making a difference in the lives of other people. And it's all about because you can't live in your present until you get out of your past. Number two is God's word. We're being marked. We're being inked by the Holy Spirit. Listen, you can't have the mark of the new man if you're living under the mark of the old man. And God wants to redo your tattoo. And guess what? You don't have to go through pain to do it. The blood of Jesus will wash the old away. And he's going to put a new mark on you through the power of his word and the Holy Spirit. God wants you to know his word dictates your present. Your present. I love it. It's Jeremiah. It's my favorite scripture in the Bible. I even have a, a guy in the church here. He knows I'm an avid hunter. And he made me a deer call. I had a deer call made and it's got this scripture on it. So when I'm out in the woods calling a turkey, I'm not a deer call, a turkey call. When I'm out there calling turkeys, I'm reading the scripture. And here it is, my favorite scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Come on. 
He says, you got to let go of the past. Let my word erase your past. And once you let go of the past, he said, my word also dictates your present. And your present is, I know the plans I have for you today, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Everybody look at your pastor for a moment. You can't enter your present until you let go of your past. But when you let the gospel take care of your past and let God re-ink you, let God remark you, I now have a different sign on me. It no longer talks about the life of the old. It's declaring the life of the now. If you talk to me now, you're gonna hear about Jesus, not rock and roll, dope, and sex. You're gonna hear about what Jesus has done in my life. You're not gonna hear about my pain. You're gonna hear about his blessing and what Jesus has done in my life because he's got great plans for me. Not plans to harm me, but hope and a future. You see, the psalmist said in Psalms 119.11, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let me say this today. Lose everything in life, but hang on to God's word. Lose everything, but hang on to the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but my word will last forever. Lose everything in life, but hang on to God's word. It'll keep you when nothing else will keep you. God's word, it'll keep you out of the bar on Friday night. It'll keep you out of the wrong bed on Saturday night. It'll keep you and your mind. It'll keep your words. It'll keep your heart. It'll keep you. God's word will do what nothing else can do. And he said, thy word have I hid in my heart because I'm not sinning against you, God. Not gonna sin against you. You see, all hell is breaking loose around us. Chaos, disasters, tragedies, crises, all happening around us. Boy, and the media wants to put you in a foxhole. Even religion now is talking. But they, they all said Jesus was coming yesterday. I hope he did. I wasn't worried about it. I was like, I hope the dude's right. He's probably not, but I was hoping he was right because I'm ready to get out of here. Anybody with me? And, and I'm like, Apostle Paul, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. We're, we've been waiting for this. And, but hey, we're here today, so we're gonna keep reaching as many people as we can until that day gets here. But it might be today. But we've got to come and realize today that, that all of this stuff's breaking loose around us in the world. You listen to CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and everybody else, man, and, and the world, everything's negative and disaster. This is the greatest hour the church has ever existed in the midst of calamity and crisis. The church has always shined, and we're going to shine now. And the broken and the hurting and the desperate are going to run to us, and we've got an answer, and his name hasn't changed. It's still Jesus you got to know that God had your past he's got your present he knows where you are today and he's got great plans for you watch this video of one of our young men Uh, so I actually have two tattoos. Uh, so the first tattoo is a uh, Celtic cross uh, with a pair of uh, praying hands holding it. 
Um, so it's symbolic of uh, my father. So when my father passed away, uh, I felt the need to get it. Um, so growing up, it was uh, our relationship uh, is not what I would necessarily call the best because he was extremely hard and difficult on me. And uh, I never really understood the why behind he was the way he was towards specifically me until I got older. Um, and at that point in time, I began to actually appreciate the way that he kind of coached me and fathered me and raised me uh, to push me to be a better man. Um, so, you know, in his passing, I felt that uh, I needed to do something to honor and tribute him. Um, so that's kind of the representation of the first one. So the second one was, it's a, um, it's a Chinese symbol or character for meekness. Um, so it was at a point in my life where I felt like I wanted to get another tattoo. Uh, so I wanted to have a, some reason and meaning behind it. Um, so it, it's a, uh, that Chinese character and it has James 4.10 below it, uh, which is the verse that basically says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And I would not be where I was without him um, because my dad had not raised me the way that he had. Um, I, there's no doubt uh, that I would be where I am. Um, and I think through it all, you know, the success I've had in both personal and business, it's a good reflection of what God's done for me, but also the reason I am where I am, so. Amen. Come on, give Tremaine a hand. But I, I, the thing, I, the reason I wanna put that right here is as Tremaine talked about his earthly father, how many of us can say that about our spiritual fathers? I don't understand his dealings sometimes. Sometimes I feel like God's been kind of hard on me. Like he's asking too much of me or maybe, and I don't get that, but once we start walking this journey in life and we understand in our present right now, God wants to erase the past, but God said, in your present right now, I've got great plans for you. And even the moment that Tremaine's father was being hard on him, he was preparing him for the plans of blessing and favor that he didn't understand as a young man, but now does as a mature man. And we sat in a room out after the second service with Tremaine and, and tears coming down his face, talking about his purpose and his destiny in God as a successful father businessman. But that's not the priority of his life. His priority is I got to reach as many people with the hope of Jesus as I possibly can. And, and we come and understand that God has our past. His word dictates our past. It's over. We're new in him. He dictates through his word our present, but he, last of all, he dictates our future. God already has your future planned out. How many's glad you serve a God today and you have a book called the Bible that you get to read before it happens? Six of us. Okay, let me ask that one more time. <laughs> How many would rather go into a ball game knowing you're going to win no matter what it looks like in the fourth inning? Come on, somebody. All right? And uh, I would rather go to a deer stand knowing that there's a 12-point bunk coming about 6 o'clock before I get there at 6 in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so it's this thing that God gives us this opportunity through his word to say, I've already dictated your past is gone. I've dictated your present. I've got great plans for you to bless you, to bring hope. And then he promises your, his word. It's already provided our future. So what's next, Pastor Dan? All this stuff I'm hearing, what, what's really next? I'm gonna take you on a journey through the scripture of what's next for us as believers in Christ Jesus. And maybe you're here and you're not a believer yet, but we pray that you get on board before you leave here today because God has great plans for you, plans to bless you, not harm you, to give hope and your future. What's next, Pastor Dan? It's this thing called the rapture of the church. I know that there's theories pre-mid, post-rapture, I don't know which one it's going to be. You can defend all three scripturally, make them sound like you want. I just say be ready for number one and two and three will take its place. That's all. You know, whichever one, I, I just be ready. That's all I'm going to tell you. But there's a thing called the rapture of the church 
where Jesus is going to come and the dead in Christ and those which are alive and remain going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now they predicted yesterday that that was going to be that day. They've tried that before and it didn't work. I think God would change it just so that no man could be right. I, you know, I, I think he would just change it. So now he was wrong too, you know, but, but it doesn't matter that it wasn't yesterday. You just need to know it is going to happen one day. And there's this glorious event called the rapture of the church. Immediately after the body of Christ, this is our future being dictated by the word of God. And you need to be marked by that because if you're marked by it, you're going to live by it. And it's going to remind you every day of where I stand. And immediately after rapture, there's this thing taking place called the Bema Seat Judgment. And it's not really a judgment, it's a reward. And that's where those of us that are Christians that did make it to heaven and we're with Jesus, he's going to go before us and he's going to reward us according to our works and our deeds while here on the earth. While there's a party going on with the Christians in heaven, all hell's breaking loose on the earth because when we leave, the Holy Spirit leaves with us and the earth becomes a demon and possess world. And the Bible said at that point, the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and they're going to acknowledge him because of his wisdom and his knowledge. He's going to be a political, social, economic, and religious leader that's going to influence society. And he's going to sign a seven-year peace treaty. And there he's going to come in. And in the three and a half years of that peace treaty, he's going to break it and violence is going to begin to fill the land. He's going to set up an image of himself in the city of Jerusalem and demand that every person bow down and worship him. Those who refuse to do that, refuse to take the mark of the B666, are going to have their head cut off. The Bible tells us, he's showing us the future of those of us that are ready and the future of those that are not. You and I get to determine which side we want to be on. Many of us, I hope all of us in this room today are going to be in heaven and we don't have to worry about this part of it. He gives us that choice and that opportunity. But while the Antichrist is demanding this and, and all of this is taking place, the Bible says famine, plagues, warfare is going to break out like the earth has never seen. Devastating earthquakes, massive destruction, hail and fire are going to fall from heaven at the same time, destroying all plant life. A meteor will fall into the ocean, killing most sea life. The sun and moon will turn dark, producing no light. Demonic locusts will attack and torture mankind. Painful sores will be released upon humanity. Rivers will turn to blood, and the list goes on and on and on. But the Bible said, at the end of that seven year of tribulation, the Antichrist is going to pick one fight too many with God. And he's going to stand on the top of the Mount of Olives and he's going to point his finger up at the heavens and he's going to blaspheme God. In Revelation 13, he said, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. The Antichrist is going to stand on the top of Mount of Olives. He's going to point his finger up into the heaven. He's going to blaspheme God. He's going to blaspheme his tabernacle. And he's going to make fun of the angels that did not revolt when Satan revolted against God. And one third of the angels went with him. The Antichrist is going to mock them and say, I told you you should have come. I told you you should have followed me. And if you would have followed me, you would be ruling this earth with me. The Bible says, Dan Livingston interpretation, God gets ticked. And you don't want him ticked. 
The Bible says, God finally says, that's enough. I've heard all from this guy I'm going to listen to. Son, get ready, mount up. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is going to mount up on a white horse. And here's what it says in the scripture. It's in your notes. Go with me to Revelation. What's going to happen, pastor? This is what's going to happen. Read it with me. They're going to pull it up. It's coming somewhere. Technology, I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like a blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heavens are following him riding on white horses. Who is that? Those that went up in the rapture. Those of us that are already in heaven with him. The armies of heaven are gonna mount up with him riding on white horses dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Sin holds us no more. The past is gone. The new is come. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword which is strike all the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the wine presses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written. He's been inked. He's been marked King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet are now ruling the earth. They will gather in the garden in the valley of Megiddo in Israel I've stood in that valley it's a 200 mile long valley between two mountains and there millions will come in the armies of the enemy to fight against the army of God and God's going to prepare here for the mother of all battles the battle of Armageddon and Satan and his armies will blaspheme him and the Bible just told us that Jesus is going to come down out of the heavens on a white horse on his thigh is written king of kings and lord of lords the same God that the Bible said every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is lord and the Bible said as the armies gather in that valley of Megiddo that the son of God is going to come down on a white horse he's going to open his mouth and when he does it's like a sword of the spirit is going to come out and it's going to devour every person every politician every king every president every voice that's ever spoken a word against the Christ that you and I serve today that refused his salvation neglected what he did on the cross it's going to devour them and the Bible says that the blood will rise up to the bridle of a horse in a 200 mile valley and that the buzzards will eat the flesh of those that die under the very voice of the son of God that's their future mine is I'm right behind him saying sick him Jesus sick him Right after that battle, there's a thousand year millennial reign with Christ where Christ will set his foot on the top of the Mount of Olives. And I've been there, stood there. The very place that Satan points his finger up into the heavens and blasphemes God is where Jesus is gonna return. He's, the Bible says when he steps on Mount of Olives, it's gonna split in half. He's then gonna walk down through the Kidron Valley. And then he's gonna come to the Eastern gate of the city of Jerusalem 
where there's a temple there now, a Muslim mass, mosque is sitting there. It used to be the temple, the Jewish temple, but they've taken over it. Now it's a mosque for Islam. But the Bible said that Jesus is going to step on the Mount of Olives, going to split in half. He's going to walk through the Kidron Valley. He's going to enter the eastern gate of the wall of Jerusalem, which by now, now it is no longer a gate. It's been closed in with concrete. Because you see, the Muslims don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe that he's simply a rabbi. And rabbis are not allowed to walk through cemeteries. So guess where the Muslims have put their cemetery? Right outside the eastern gate of Jerusalem in the Kidron Valley that the Son of God, who's not a rabbi, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, He's gonna walk right through that valley. He doesn't need a door. We've already seen that after his resurrection. He's gonna walk through the wall and the Bible said he's gonna go to that mosque and there he's gonna take over and reestablish the temple and out of that temple, he's gonna rule and reign the earth forever and ever and ever, and you and I are going to rule and reign it with him in a new heaven and a new earth. That's my future. He's already dictated it through the word of God. We need to start walking around inked with that. Mark with that. Quit living in fear and start walking out the faith that what God has said in his word is true. My future is good. And at that point, he's going to take Satan the Antichrist and the false prophet and everyone that followed them and he's gonna cast them into hell and you and I will live in the presence of Jesus forever and ever and ever without Satan or his demonic powers ever being around again. That's a good future, my friend. And as I I looked at that, I I, I had to wonder, I I thought, you know, I I see that to bring the past, the present, and the future. I'm gonna take about five minutes, 10 minutes and we're gonna close But I want to bring those three together to you today as a pastor. I was up all night. I slept maybe 30, 45 minutes less. I was up all night. This message, I had to get this across to you today. Then I get a text at 6.38 this morning from a pastor friend in Lake City, Florida. And I put it on Facebook. He said, just want you to know, Pastor, I'm praying for you this morning that the anointing of God is going to rest on your life today for this word that God has put in your heart to share with your people. And God's going to expand the tents and enlarge the house. And it was a word from God to me this morning. But as I try to put the past, the present, and the future together, I, I see a, a story of a man as Jesus is going to the cross and, and we see the narrative and we see it all fitting. And then all of a sudden this guy shows up that really doesn't fit. It's like he don't belong there and his name's Barabbas. And we see Pilate, he's on a stage and and he says, I I have the the authority on this Jewish holiday. It's the custom that I release someone that's on death row. And so he brings out two people on the stage to release one or the other and let the people choose. And he brings out Barabbas, a thug, a rebel, a murderer, a guy that's been a criminal his whole life. And, And then he brings out Jesus and it's Jesus versus Barabbas. I'm like, serious? Are you crazy? There's no logic. There's no no common sense to this. I mean, what has Jesus done? I mean, he's the son of God. He's done nothing but good. He's healed. He's protected. He's saved. He's brought hope. He's brought life. He's opened blinded eyes. He's healed the lame. He's done nothing but good. Jesus or Barabbas, are you serious? Pilate, are you serious? Who do you want? Who do you want, Pilate asked? We want Barabbas. We want Barabbas. And in silence, we see a Roman soldier begin to climb the stairwell to the stage. And with his keys, he unlocks the chains. I see Barabbas walk off that stage and Jesus stands quietly. 
I can hear Barabbas under his breath going, my friends love me, my friends love me. I don't know anything about this Jesus guy, but my friends love me. And he actually thought that the people set him free, but no, 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 no. It wasn't the people, it was the Father. It was the Father. Because you see, Jesus knew. He knew the will of God and Jesus stood silent because he knew that the Father had to let them have Barabbas. Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so that he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people, but no, it was God. And God said, I I love Barabbas. I love him. But God, we say, God, he's a bad man. I know he's bad, Dan, but but I love him. I, I wanted him to go free. But God, didn't you know that he would reject this gift and this offering? Didn't you know that he wasn't going to receive it? Yes, I, I did know, but I love Barabbas that God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. He died for you. And I acknowledge and realize at this point, who is Barabbas? Barabbas is me. Barabbas is you. Barabbas is us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever in this room would just receive him, we would not have to perish and go through all those horrible things I explained to you is going to happen. We can come up and be caught up in a moment to live eternally. This Jesus has stood quietly. The son, his son, he sent us a free gift. And, and as I look at this, I have to ask the question, the nerve of us as Christians to, to come in and say, I, I got saved by grace. I, I got saved because Jesus loved me. But now I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage. I, I've, I've stepped back into my past and I better work hard. I need to go to church more. I need to do more righteous things to get myself out. I I need to set myself free. What? Really? What? Set yourself free. That's the total opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation of sin? Do you feel out of control? What are you going to do? You say, I'll do better, pastor. I'll work it out. I'll shake myself free. Stop it, stop it, stop it. I'm talking to you as your pastor today. No, you won't. You can't. The power of sin is too strong. The force of darkness is too strong. You can't break this on your own. You can't quit this on your own. That's why he stood silent and let us, Barabbas, walk off so that he could come back and show us the true freedom. You'll never find the answer within yourself. Your own will, your own desire, your own devotion will never save you, your marriage, your family, your children, your life. There's still only one. He is the one who took your place. He's the one who stood silent. He's the one who did not speak a word. He's the one who did not defend himself. Pilate said, yes, let them have Barabbas. Jesus said, take me. Take me instead. I've stood on that stage next to Jesus while in my chains. 
while they're being released and I'm being set free, said, no, Jesus, no. Have you ever been there? No, Jesus, I deserve this. I deserve my guilt. I, I did it. I, I deserve my shame. I messed up. I, I deserve the consequences of my action. I knew not to do it, but I did anyway. I deserve my divorce. I deserve my poverty. I deserve my sickness, Jesus. I deserve it. Jesus looks at me and said, no. No, son, you, you don't deserve it. Let me have it. Let, let me have your sin. Let, let me have your pain. But, but Jesus, God, I, I'm so ashamed. Jesus says, give me your shame. God, what if I do it again? What if I mess up again? I'm still here. But God, I, I don't want to hurt you. I don't, I don't want to live like this anymore than, than just give me your sins, son. Because you see, today, the greatest challenge for each one of us is not our discipline, is not even our devotion, as though those are deeply important. The greatest challenge for you and I today is simply believing the gospel of Jesus Christ to really be real. Could it really be that there is a God with so much love that is scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, and so inclusive? It would say, let me die so that you might live. My biggest struggle in life is not trying to be more religious. My biggest struggle in life is receiving the truth of the gospel that Jesus has paid an ultimate price for that will transform and not make my life better, but change it for eternity and forever. He simply says, let let me have your sins, son. So I give him my sin and I stand a free man in the space of forgiveness that I don't understand. And I watch him walk to a cross where he will pay the penalty of my sin. And he looks at me on the way and says, go live your life for I'll pay the price. Let me say to you today in closing, it has always been Jesus. It will always be Jesus. It'll never stop being Jesus. His blood is still sufficient for your salvation today. His blood is sufficient to sustain you and I through every challenge, every sin, and every temptation. I challenge you today, don't join Transformation Church to be a part of a religious organization. I challenge you today, don't come and try to better your old life. I challenge you today, don't come and try to make the old different or better. I challenge you today, come and put your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ because Jesus alone is enough yeah. he'll change you he'll transform you by his gospel today wherever you're at this is different but this is God I fail as a pastor if I stand up here week after week and tell you how to be better and you're not ready on that day. I don't want you religious. I don't want you doing better. I want you free. I want you brand new. I want you well. And I just want you to bow your heads with me and I just want an honest altar call. I've tried to be honest with you today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How many would lift a hand in this building today and go, Pastor, I don't need better. I need Jesus, Pastor. I'm trying to fix this. I've been trying to do this. I've been trying to change this. I've been trying to make the old better. But today, 
I just want brand new. I need Jesus in my life. I need salvation in Christ. I need a new experience in God. If that's you, would you lift a hand where you sit? Hands going up all over the building. I just need a transformation in my life, Pastor. I'm ready to say yes and receive this amazing gift that Jesus has made available for me. If you raised your hand or you did not and you need Jesus today, will you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess, I believe, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know how many hands were just raised, but let's give God a thank you.